Hi guys, I'm Deputy Editor Britt Smith and welcome to One on One, a podcast where we feature open, dynamic conversations with your favorite men's journal personalities. We recently sat down with Omari Hardwick, whose latest project paired him with director Zack Snyder for Army of the Dead, an action-packed heist flick where zombies take over Las Vegas. The rewrite gave Hardwick the opportunity to develop the character of Vandero, a chainsaw-wielding zombie-killing philosopher. Our contributor, Charles Thorpe, spoke with Hardwick about developing Vandero from the ground up, hanging with the cast in New Mexico, and putting on 20 pounds of muscle for the role. Congratulations on the movie. You guys are hitting the the world strong, man. It's crazy. When I saw that promotion during the UFC fight, I was like, I don't know when I've ever seen anything like this, man. You know, how's it been for you? The the rollout and the anticipation and the the huge social media push has been there for it. It's been it was interesting because I remember thinking, um, you know, Mark Tondere, who reached out, he's the director of Spell. So the movie that I did with Loretta Devine and this year has been so interesting for me because the rollout fans forget that we film so much prior to or so. So we film a lot prior to the film coming out films, plural. Obviously, for me, I've been blessed enough to now be presenting in this year, three films. So American Skin, obviously, respectively directed by Nate Parker. You go from the great Nate Parker, who's a hell of a director to uh, Mark Tondere, who is really spreading his wings and and flying as a director and doing spell. And for me, Charles, that was kind of cool to be able to crack into that horror thriller space, obviously with the iconic Loretta Devine, and then Mark to respond to the work with the legend of them all, and that being Zack Snyder. And I feel kind of like what Gerard Butler probably felt, and Jerry's now a friend of mine. So I feel what he must have felt going into 300, in terms of production, but then equally the rollout of 300. Uh, Knowing that, you know, he thinks in a way of, hey, man, let's just tell a story, whether it was Phantom of the Opera for him or whether it was, you know, 300, he and I I think really respect each other because we both are about the story. And you got to be, you know, you got to make that paramount. For me, I happen because of sports being such a foundational place for me, Charles, I happen to be about the big team little I in the midst of the story. Obviously, for Army of the Dead, it works because there is such a big team. It's such an ensemble. And for Zach to do such a brilliant job of making each person their own individual character, giving nuances to each character, giving traits that were differing from the character to your left or to your right, that was really special. So from the production storyline standpoint, I knew it was special. Going into the rollout of it, I think about the colleagues like Chadwick, or young Michael B. Jordan, or John David with Tenet. John David, obviously, you know, meaning John David Washington, and, and you know, John Bernthal with work and roles that he's played in the rollout of such. It's a funny moment for me, Charles, because unlike those guys, I'm not able to celebrate it in front of the Chinese Man's Theater. This is my first big blockbuster, and dare I say, quite the, not reintroduction of Omari, but a newly introduced film guy, that, by the way, a very large portion of my fan base would love to have me just play Ghost for the rest of my career. And so they are forced to have to go, okay, he really is spreading his wings and and there's a lot of tricks in that bag of his. And so it's an interesting moment. And what I've realized is Los Tiempos can be in, right? For all of those Spanish-speaking people, the times do change and you have to embrace it. And 
So my red carpet, ironically, equally includes a Charles Thorpe asking me that question. And, you know, the world gets to go home, watch it in the confines and coziness of their home. But equally, like you stated, there are respective places that you can watch it in terms of at the theater if you want to. And even though we don't get to go to France to hang out with Nora's homeland or India for Huma, my our Indian castmate or Matthias's Germany, um, we don't get to go to Anna's Mexico. We can't go to Dave Bautista, not just Washington, D.C., which raised him, but also he's of Greek and, and Filipino descent. So who knows where Zach was going to take us all? I mean, it could have been a rollout of the highest level red carpet proportion. So it's really a funny moment to go. It's nice. It's a me embracing that is kind of cool, that is very intimate and that it doesn't have to have the gangbuster of rollout. But the movie and the story itself is the gangbuster of rollout. The way that Zach told this story is so beautiful. No one expected for zombies to be not only fast moving, but fast thinking and also kind of the backdrop. They're not necessarily the forefront of the movie. The forefront of the movie is broken characters who are all in search of not just money, but of, of themselves. We're all searching for a place and a part to fit in, including Richard Zeus, the obvious alpha zombie. He's, he's trying to figure out, we see a pregnant zombie in this, an embryo that, you know, was going to grow into whatever it was going to grow into. And leave it to Zach to be what he is and to do what he, he does, leave it to him to create such a world. And so it's just been very humbling. The reception from directors again to Charles King reached out to me like, oh, this is crazy. Some of the yeah. giants, you know, Shaquille O'Neal reached out like and then all the way to friends of mine that are not only producing partners of mine that are trying to bring story with me to the world and into this industry, but equally friends that I grew up with from the age of five years old and on. People are really, really embracing this term, man, and it's very humbling. I love it, man. I mean, that is the beauty of the Netflix machine, right, is how widespread it is and how world-dominating it is. And if, if something's a part of a conversation there, it's a part of a conversation everywhere, which is obviously a great power. I want to sort of take it back to, you mentioned, you know, Zack Snyder, a master filmmaker, a master world creator, a pioneer in the genre. How does he explain this movie to you? You know, I know what the log line says. I know what's on the Internet. But as far as his one on one with Amari, what is he saying to you? Great question. So it was Mother's Day, Charles, which was crazy that uh, my agent reached out, Brent Joel, and he said, oh, I really want you to take a look at this. Uh, Zack Snyder is at the helm. You know Zack's work. You know, he had me as Zack Snyder, of course. You know, that's that's your hello. At one point, Charles, I was like, okay, and is, is it just zombies? Are we existing in just the space of, of zombie world? And he goes, no, I think it's deeper, but just read the script. And we're on the beach, Charles. We're on the beach in South Florida on a vacation, which was, you know, not the day to take a break and read a script. I mean, it's Mother's Day, for God's sake. Father's Day would have been whatever, right? We don't need much. But we're on the beach for Mother's Day, and it was kind of an interesting moment. So the script is sent immediately. And he says, I need you to read it immediately, Amari. And I read it in the midst of all of us hanging out on the beach next to the mother being celebrated for Mother's Day. And Jay's like, go for it. Like, read it. She comes from the, wor- the world of producers, so she knows, you know, like, if Brand is telling you to read it, read it. 
So I read it. Ironically, Charles, there is no Vanderbilt on the script that I read. There is not one trace of my character on the script, not an iota. So I said, wow, I'm at page 75. I'm like, all right, I guess he comes in a little bit later. Man, my agent, of course, says, I think it's just a template, a blueprint, maybe. Like, we're going to set a call for Zach, and he can explain. We talked to Zach days after, probably two days later. We talked to Zach, and Zach goes, it's ironic. Originally, I thought about Dave for this character, Vandero, and I'm still flushing Vandero out. This is his words. And we're creating what we're creating, and he is absolutely going to be a big, big part of the process and you won't necessarily see him on page 75 he'll be very early and then he'll be pervasively throughout i said okay and that's really what he said he said but i'm really kind of trying to devise him also thinking about you know dave now playing scott ward and how that plays out not just you guys physically with each other but just the way that both of you think you both are introspective and deep and he starts to really go into the philosophy of of what it means to make character as a writer. He's underrated as a writer. We think about him as a director, director of photography, cinema photographer. But as a writer, he was really breaking down. And for me to value writing as much as I do and to also be a writer, it was an immediate moment of me going, wow, just for mm-hmm. him to take this level of time, this amount of time, I should say, in this level of detail that he's paid to the attentions um, that need to be paid, which is that of character building, not just for me, but also for all of our characters. But Vanderbilt was being explained to me as somebody that I would never, never want to let go of. He said that. He said, once you play this guy, you want to hold on to him for a long time. Did that mean a sequel? I don't know, Charles. Did that mean I could insert Vanderbilt into future characters that have nothing to do with you know, this world that Zach has brought me into, perhaps, but he was right. Cause what he was saying is I'm making a gr- a gritty team player, mm-hmm. zombie killing philosopher, who, by the way, I want him to carry a chainsaw that is just like none other. And then of course, <laughs> once, you know, I got to set, which was probably a month after that conversation or two months after that mother's days in May. Right. So we won set by July then I realized that the chainsaw itself, Charles, was part of the call sheet. I felt like it was a cast member and it had a definite cast number on the call sheet. It became its own thing and it forever will be supplanted into the minds of particularly zombie geeks who love that world of, of, of zombie uh, genre. But equally for those who've never come to that world, they will never forget the iconic chainsaw. So we really kind of built the guy together. And then once you get him with Dieter, Ludwig Dieter played brilliantly by Matthias. Then all of a sudden you see a whole different side of Van der Rohe that he hadn't explained to me. Comedic timing of Van der Rohe, his sort of cynicism that, you know, I guess I was able to bring to the character. And, and that was a beautiful thing, man. Zach just operates on this higher level, right? That just calls people to him the way that he is an artist, like so many of you are and, and Dave and in the genre, but elevate above it. They're always thinking at a higher level. And I respect that immensely. It's a beautiful thing to say. You mentioned the saw, you know, the way that you guys move, obviously there's this military element to it. There's this gang element to it. You guys are going in, you are separate but together, Together. you know, everyone's sort of moving well, but moving differently. 
how did you choose to create your path for training as someone who has such a strong background in sports? I follow you on the social media because you're oh, one of those man, guys that thank you, bro. you're one of those guys that motivates both mentally and physically. So I respect that. I appreciate you. Tell me about, you know, the, the gym. That Tell process. me about training and all of that. Well, you know, I, so I gained, you know, 20 pounds in that film, which everybody is talking about. Like, wow. And then now, Charles, I think I did myself a disservice, brother, because now people are like, oh, you, you OK? You look unhealthy. You look you look small. <laughs> I'm like, I'm back to my playing weight. Well, maybe. But I'm pretty much at at a loss for words as to how humble I am that people embraced equally that first and foremost, I am a guy that builds characters inside out, which every actor should do. But being that I'm trained in the world of Meisner and I come from theater, I only really know how to make sure that the horn on the inside is working before the fingers plucking the horn can make the horn make sound. I need to make sure that the insides are what they are. So I did that, but equally draws for the first time ever, I immediately played the external building of a character. And I thought this guy needs to be a lot bigger. Some of it so that Dave Bautista doesn't feel like odd man out because he's so freaking physically large that the next person in size next to him would probably be a Garrett or a Theo. Matias has that typical German rottiness, the lean muscle. He's in great shape, but probably in terms of size would be a Garrett or again, a, a Theo. So I thought, well, I live in, in between Dave and them, but I need to be more in between Dave and them. So I need to be closer to Dave's size. I knew I could get my arms big because they never really go anywhere. My arms tend to always be pretty big, but I just needed to get everything else big. And so that was the first thing was Phil Heath, you know, seven time Mr. Olympia. He said, oh, I know you don't like supplements. That's not your world. I said, I don't do any of that. Don't bring me that. He said, then you just got to eat like crazy and that's going to bother you because you're going to have to stay disciplined with the eating. And that's hard because Phil Heath not only knows I'm musical, but he's also been in the music studio with me. So in his brain, he's like, knowing you, you're in New Mexico finding a music studio, which I did. I've never gone to a place and not found some place to make music. So at least not in the last five years. So for me, Charles, it was more about hearing him lay out the amounts of food I should be eating and then trying to use him as a director as much as Zack Snyder was directing me during the daytime when he would yell action. So he'd say, what did you eat today, oh? And I would say, you know, what I ate, and after a while, Phil was giving thumbs up that I was eating the volume of food, the caloric intake that I should take, decrease the cardio. I said, I got to do something. He said, well, you're in 105-degree weather in New Mexico, so that'll aid, but definitely decrease the sprinting on the treadmill, just walk. So I was doing that, but eating so much red meat, Charles, to, to increase natural creatine that brother, I got to 198 pounds in like 20 some days, but you have Matias bringing me food. You'd have <laughs> Nora saying, Amar, you got to eat. You'd have Ella who obviously plays my niece in the film, you know, as Scott and, and Vander are like brothers, you, you'd have Ella going, Mar, you got to eat. So it was an amazing effort of the cast reminding me eat. I'm doing push-ups with the chainsaw on my back with the gas tank on my back. So to train and I, and obviously we had incredible military guys that are Navy SEALs who had us entering a room, exiting a room, clearing. And of course, everything we did right, Matias got to do all that shit wrong. And he was right to do it wrong. <laughs> Anything we were told to do left or right, he would do the opposite. And, you know, he would get, he would get marks for doing it the opposite way. And so that was kind of a funny moment, but 
it was really one of those things where I felt like the chainsaw was a brilliant component, not just obviously because we hadn't seen anything like that in a zombie space or in any film for that matter, in action or Marvel or DC comics or what have you. But also Zach reminded me this guy is dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder and he's also a lover of people. So Vander, as much as he doesn't trust that Dieter, you know, obviously played by Matias is the right fit. Um, and definitely I don't want him as my Mel Gibson to my Danny Glover. You mentioned Matthias, obviously Dave Batista, who's our cover guy this month. And he's a you great know, actor, right? Just underrated. Incredible guy. Yeah, uh, Theo good. Rossi, who I talked to the other day, you know, great plus years, man, Theo and I, what a, you know, just a great cast draws. How is it like, you know, hanging out with that crew, get to know them better in this situation. It was definitely, I'll start with Theo. It was an interesting moment to go from American Skin to a movie with him right after. It's such a different movie. Not different in the sense that we were all on a mission. Obviously, in American Skin, Nate has us on a mission to right or wrong with his son's character dying at the hand of, you know, a cop. And obviously, Nate gave a microphone to everyone in that, including the, the cop who is involved in the wrongful shooting. In this, there is that same mission. We're on a mission, not just for money, but to find ourselves, really. A soulful search, a dive deep. So those things make the two movies similar. But Theo and I kept talking about the fact that you go from one movie to the next, and this could be a moment where we're sort of making a, a, a very definitive decision to, to mark our territory in the future, meaning what type of film does he do? What's his territory going forward? What's Omari's territory? Does it become a wide range or do I just do action now that I'm doing this? So me and Theo, we've never had a conversation about our future and how it looked, but being on two differing but similar enough films back to back, that afforded conversations about, so where do we go from here? With Dave, it was a real interesting moment of two athletes, with Dave saying, you know, oh, for me, I didn't have the foundation that you had in sport. You were doing football since 11 years old. You were playing basketball, baseball, the whole nine. He said, I really came to this physical presence and being comfortable in my size later in life. I'm like, really? You became what you became in the wrestling world, but you're just starting to come to that. He said, yeah, I'm just embracing it. So there was an immediate moment of me going, he's vulnerable. Dude is this massive bag of vulnerability who's not afraid to get real open with a guy that he's just met. He must trust something in my eyes, but further, it then showed up in his, in his filmmaking as an actor. You start to see why he's appealing, why he's digestible, because he's open. And then for me, I think it was meeting the maturity and the classiness of, of Garrett um, Dillahunt that made me feel anchored. Garrett, to me, was the anchoring component of the film. He just has that. I don't know what it is, but he has it. And then it was enjoying meeting all the women. Anna, obviously, prior on power, but meeting a young Ella, meeting a Nora, meeting a Huma, who I just adored but couldn't work with her. She wasn't in any scenes with me. You know, meeting all of these people, it was a very, very cool moment to go. Samantha, Raul Castillo, who I didn't know. It was a really cool moment to go, man, Zach really introduced a crew that I don't necessarily know as actors if we'd be introduced if we didn't have this moment. I don't know if we would do films that would bring us together unless we're doing this film. And that was a really cool thing. Thanks for joining us in this week's episode of One on One. 
Don't forget to subscribe and check back in for more exclusive interviews. 